Hello, and welcome to the intersection of Crystal R. Emery. Crystal is a member of the Producers Guild of America, an American Association for the Advancement of Science, if then ambassador, and a member of New York Women in Film and Television. Crystal is CEO and founder of You Are You the Right to Be Inc., and she is a badass. Without further ado, here's Crystal Renee Emery. Hello and welcome to the intersection of Crystal R. Emery. I have known Iris Wagstaff for several years. Iris is the STEM Program Director in Education and Human Resource Programs at the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Each year she organizes and leads the Emerging Researchers National ERN Conference in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, an event this year that has over 12,000 attendees. But Iris is more than just a STEM program director at AAAS. She is also an amazing human being. In this day and age, our lives have become so busy that we rarely get the chance to simply sit down with someone and talk to them about who they are and what is important to them. Iris and I took a moment, and that is exactly what we did. It is my honor to spend a few minutes listening to her story, and I am honored to share that story with you. Hi, my name is Iris Wagstaff, and I am a STEM program director at the American Association for the Advancement of Science, or AAAS. Uh, which is the largest general scientific organization um, in the world. And I do a lot of things. I um, lead and run um, a number of programs and initiatives focused on broadening participation in STEM and workforce development to really support our students, um, specifically those who are underrepresented in STEM and helping them um, in degree completion and to learn about all the different opportunities available to them in STEM careers. I've been doing this work for uh, probably about 25 years now. Um, I am a, a, a product of going, uh, being a, a born from a low-income background in Goldsboro, North Carolina, uh, from a, a single-parent uh, family home. Um, so I actually went through the struggles and challenges of um, trying to graduate um, from high school, completing a STEM degree, and then having a career in STEM. So all of the work that I do, whether it's at the K-12 level, the undergraduate level, um, or the professional level, is to really help cultivate the next generation um, of talent in STEM, particularly those um, students who have been discouraged from scientific pursuits. But you are also a chemist. I am a chemist. Um, I am, um, by training, uh, a research chemist in organic chemistry, polymer chemistry, and analytical chemistry. So which means that I have um, specialties in several different areas. Um, so organic chemistry is mainly about um, actually producing products and developing products that you use every day. Um, analytical chemist testing, 
Um, so I, you know, test products to make sure that they work. Um, polymer chemists are also formulation chemists, so we develop the polymers that you use every day, uh, whether it's the acrylic um, that are on your nails or whether it's the paint, you know, that are on your walls. So that has to do with polymer chemistry. One of my favorite models is you can't be what you can't see, that young black and brown kids need to see examples of successful people in STEM that look like them in order to believe that success in the STEM fields is possible for themselves. Is that a part of the reason why you do the outreach work that you do? So one of the reasons that I do all of the um, outreach in STEM education, um, or have been doing this for over 20 years, is because I know that you can't be what you can't see. And as a child growing up, um, I really struggled through school, not ac academically, but struggled with having the support um, and the mentoring um, that I really needed um, to really excel. Um, so it's really, uh, I'm really passionate about uh, making sure students know that, um, and especially our students of color um, and other students who are underrepresented in STEM, whether it's women or students from low-income backgrounds, because I want them to know that they can succeed. And not only can they succeed, but that they're, they're expected to succeed. We have a long history dating back thousands of years, um, uh, particularly um, African-American students. Um, which relates to science, technology, engineering, and math. So I want to make sure that they know that and that they have the support um, available uh, to help them throughout their educational and career journey. Who are the women of color in STEM that paved the way for you? The women in STEM and the women of color in STEM that have paved the way for me um, definitely um, start out with my mom. Um, she wasn't a scientist, but she raised a scientist. Um, you know, my mom was a, a divorced um, single woman raising uh, myself and my older brother on her own. Um, she only made $20,000 a year <laughs> um, in North Carolina at that time. And my mom, um, even though we didn't have much, um, she encouraged me um, to work hard at school and that, you know, she always told me I could be anything I wanted to be. Um, so I would start off with my mom first. Um, second of all, um, I give credit to my high school chemistry teacher, um, Cheryl Austin, who um, really made me have an affinity for chemistry um, early on. Um, um, and that relationship is so special to me because I still work with her now doing outreach in my hometown of Goldsboro, North Carolina, where we work together um, developing informal science programs and also research, resourcing teachers and parents. Um, so those, those are two women um, in STEM uh, that have encouraged me. Um, other women are uh, mentors to me today, like Christine Grant, um, there are um, plenty of people that I can name. Shirley Malcolm, um, who's one of my mentors as well. Um, uh, Yolanda George, um, also at AAAS. Um, all of these women I look to um, as luminaries, um, especially as regards to women of color in STEM. What are some ways that companies and corporations can diversify 
their efforts, which often falls short, especially for women. So one of the ways that I would say companies um, can diversify their efforts um, with uh, engaging women in STEM is really to have true leadership, I mean, from the top down. Um, A lot of companies say that they care about um, diversity as far as women and underrepresented uh, minorities, but it really takes um, strong leadership and a clear vision. Um, A second thing um, that can be done is where companies often fall short is um, we're not lost. Uh, Women in STEM are not lost, and women of color in STEM are not lost. So a lot of times companies say, well, they can't find, you know, women in, you know, with certain backgrounds. And that's, you know, that's not the case. It takes um, really uh, intentional and purposeful, um, you know, efforts and initiatives and research and making the uh, connections and collaborations to really Uh, reach out to women and um, not just reach out to women coming in the pipeline, but supporting the women that are already uh, in the the workplace now um, who feel disenfranchised or not supported. Uh, We know just from the statistics that a lot of women in engineering and the computer sciences um, leave those fields because of um, negative environments um, and discrimination at their companies. So I think just having true leadership, um, recognizing that there are a lot of things that can be done to actually support the women um, that are in their companies, um, and really making the connections and collaborations um, with scientific organizations and other organizations that already support women in STEM across disciplines. Okay, you jumped right into my next question, which is retention. We see more and more women enter STEM fields. But keeping them there has been difficult, especially when their colleagues are hostile to them because they're women. What are some of the ways that organizations can reshape themselves to better accommodate and keep women in the STEM fields? So some of the ways that companies can better support uh, retaining women in STEM fields is recognizing that um, women oftentimes have different challenges and barriers um, compared to their male counterparts, um, such as work-life balance. Um, most women in STEM are, you know, the heads of their households as far as it, when it comes to um, child rearing. So um, better daycare options, um, better, um, you know, time off and um, family leave policies would support women. Um, Another thing that we know women, especially in engineering and computer sciences, um, often um, report really negative environments, um, um, really just blatant um, discriminatory actions by supervisors. Um, Women in STEM often report um, not being promoted um on the same levels and in the same time frames and then also not being recognized um, and rewarded um, on par with their male counterparts um, these are some areas that would definitely help retain women better um, some other things that companies could do um, which is low-hanging fruit is implicit bias training and are really um, addressing the issues of discrimination um, you know um, microaggressions, all of these types of things, uh, really addressing these issues head on, 
I think would support um, women in STEM fields better. What are some of the obstacles that you have personally had to overcome as a woman of color in the STEM workforce? Some of the examples of, of challenges that I faced as a woman, and particularly a woman of color in STEM in the workforce, is um, just salary differences. Um, you know, not finding out until later that I was, you know, that I was getting paid significantly less than a male counterpart, um, and just you know, not knowing how to negotiate those types of things um, up front. Um, a second thing that I've experienced is um, low expectations. Um, so I've always excelled in school and in the workplace, um, but just having the perceptions of low expectations, um, that's been a challenge for me, um, always constantly having to prove myself. Um, you know, as, a, as an African-American female in STEM, we have to, you know, work harder um, you know, perform better, um, work quicker, and have more results and better results, um, and, you know, compared to our male counterpart, and particularly as a woman of color in STEM, you know, I was the only uh, black female research chemist in a supervisory role at Dow Chemical for 15 years. So just that solo status of, you know, being the only and the challenges and barriers that come along with that. Um, those are some of the issues that I faced, um, you know, personally as a woman of color in STEM. And also within STEM, I'm in the physical sciences. So um, most women in STEM and women of color in STEM are in the life sciences or biological sciences. But when you get to chemistry and physics and engineering and computer sciences, the numbers are extremely low. So just the magnitude of issues that we face being in those specific disciplines um, that's another challenge that I've had to, that I've um, faced in the workplace. So you have a PhD, but have you ever felt like you've done all this hard work to get a PhD in your field, and the degree just doesn't matter because you're a woman? I do have a PhD, and um, having a PhD has not always opened the doors that I thought it would open. Um, I graduated uh, with my PhD and could not find a job. <laughs> um, so um, it, it, it caused me to be uh, really creative, to have multiple hustles, um, and have not only a plan A and B, but a plan C and D. Uh, but it also forced me to recognize all the different areas that I have expertise in and to really start creating my own opportunities. And then this is something that I also share with the students and professionals that I mentor is that you have to create your own opportunities um, and create your own, um, you know, create your own pathway um, in life. And that's what, you know, I've learned as a result of um, graduating with a PhD and $110,000 in student loans um, and taking almost two years just to find a job. Obviously, all these obstacles can get frustrating. What outlets do you have to express your frustration? So some of the outlets that I have to um, express uh, my frustration as a woman of color in STEM is, um, 
outreach. Outreach is an outlet for me. Um, it really helps take the focus off of what I'm going through. Um, when I work with students and when I work with young professionals and really pouring into their lives and, sh you know, sharing what I've learned, you know, obstacles and pitfalls to help the next generation. Um, and then there's other things like, um, you know, I'm very musically engaged. I sing. I play the piano. I'm heavily into the arts. Um, I'm very politically active. Um, I love to travel. Um, and, you know, I have great friends and great people in my life. So I have a really strong village around me, um, which, you know, are mainly other women in STEM, <laughs> women of color in STEM, um, you know, that all, you know, make my life, um, you know, worthwhile. Who are some of the women in STEM that we should be on the lookout for? Name some of your fellow Badass women. So some of the, um, you know, women in STEM that are on the lookout or that I think we should be uh, watching out for, I mean, there's plenty. Um, off the top of my head, I would say um, Dr. Timnit Jabru. Um, she does a lot of work um, in artificial intelligence and how that's been used as a discriminatory practice against people of color. So she really really focuses on the technology, um, the issues related when technology can be biased. Um, she's one person I think we should be looking out for. Um, I would also say um, Jessica Matthews. She's also um, in the tech space um, and works on issues of like underserved countries and how we can use technology to really support our communities and transform um, our communities, especially those that have been economically deprived. Um, I would say um, Dr. Chrissy Brown, um, who does a lot of work um, with supporting students in the computer sciences and again in the tech spaces and really focusing on inclusive um, entrepreneurship and innovation and really teaching our students and young professionals to leverage their STEM backgrounds um, again, to create their own businesses and their own opportunities. Um, those are a few of the women that I would highlight that we should definitely be on the lookout for. Iris, what do you want to say in closing about how you are and what the future holds? I'm optimistic about the future of, um, you know, women in STEM, women of color in STEM, um, even with all the challenges and barriers, I'm optimistic because, um, you know, I really think that we need to engage all of our human capital, um, all of our students, all of our young people, no matter where they come from or, you know, what types of backgrounds that they have, because that is our really, you know, it's our only answer to solve the critical and challenging global problems that we have to face. Um, in this world. And I think that because of the work that I'm doing, that I'm passionate about, um, and the work that my colleagues are doing, even with all of the problems and challenges and barriers, I am hopeful and optimistic because um, I always um, believe in our people and believe in our human spirit. Um, just thinking about what we've overcome as people of color, not just in STEM, to still be alive today. Um, I am very hopeful and optimistic that, um, 
you know, we'll be able to continue this work of supporting and cultivating in the next generation of, of um, women in STEM and young people in STEM. I believe ordinary people can do extraordinary things. I believe that each of us can change the lives of others in a positive way. And it is people like Iris that don't just talk the talk when it comes to creating positive change. She walks the walk. Michael Jackson wasn't saying, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Where do you start? Namaskar, Crystal. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Intersection of Crystal R. Emery. Subscribe if you like today's episode and want to receive notifications when new episodes are available. New episodes will be available every Monday and Thursday. If you would like to learn more about or support Crystal's work, please visit URUTheRightToBe.org. You can also follow Crystal on Twitter at Crystal R. Emery or at Changing STEM. Music is provided by Jay Hogard featuring I Am Free from his album Harlem Hieroglyphics. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Namaskar.